0: Welcome to Fireside with Voxgig, a podcast for professional and aspiring public speakers. I'm your host, Orla Shanahy of Voxgig, an online community for speakers and event professionals. We're here to help you get the most out of speaking, organizing, exhibiting and attending. In each episode, I sit down for an intimate fireside chat with people in the public speaking community. My aim is to learn how they have mastered the art of getting up on stage and speaking in front of an audience. If you are an aspiring speaker or just want to improve your onstage performance, this podcast will help you learn from some of the most accomplished and interesting professional conference speakers. And before we begin, a quick shout out and thank you to our sponsor, Simplecast.com, the first and last word in podcasts. In this episode, I'm chatting to Anna Jordan. Anna is a playwright, spoken word artist, creative writing facilitator, freelance festival programmer, and founder and artistic director of Mod Words Fest, Ireland's first open mic festival for spoken word artists. I'll be asking Anna about how she is bringing spoken word to whole new audiences throughout Ireland, I'll also be finding out how she came to be the founder and facilitator of a brand new annual festival, and how her work as a publican influences and enhances her artistic work. Anna, thank you so much for coming in to us today. Happy to be here. I'm not going to start by calling out the list of jobs that you have, because that would take way too long, though we will come back to some of them later. So let's focus on one thing at a time. You're the founder and artistic director of Mod Words Fest which is Ireland's first open mic festival for original writers. You also run the monthly event that goes along with Modwords Fest, which is itself called ModWords, which is an open mic event that allows writers of all ages and levels of experience to perform their work in front of a live audience. Can you
1: give us more of an idea um, about the festival and the event and how it all got started? There's loads of things involved in it. I kind of run um, seasonal writing classes as well. They start from like absolute beginner people, you know, who have never... Done it before and we go through it like a series of six weeks and then we host an open mic and things develop within that throughout the year. And I always kind of say, I have your back if you need anything. And then by the time all this kind of stuff comes around, all these open mics and uh writing classes and uh pop-up kind of party piece days. Then we have the festival. So what you were talking about there,
0: is that at the uh, monthly Modworth Fest? Well, yeah, it's kind of every two. Oh, sorry, months. Modwords, yeah, I sorry, mean, ModWords not the festival. Yeah,
1: every two months, really, because I think okay. if I did it every month, then I'd, I'd be jaded and everybody would be sick of me. So kind of like leave it off for like a month and a half, two months, and then people are ready for me again. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't want to tire anyone out too much. But yeah, it's all kind of building up to the festival. And how it started was... Um, there was a lady working in the arts office, and I'd been pottering away with writing and for years, really. I had mm-hmm. my first play on in 2006 or seven or something. And uh, I was trying to find writers' groups, and it was always kind of failing, you know. And then when the ladies in the arts office... This is the arts office in Waterford. Yeah. yeah, she was there for a little while. She's gone now. She said to me, like, you know, I kind of want it. Cause a bit of trouble and stir a little bit. So would you put together a writer's group for an open mic? And I said, absolutely. Oh my God, I definitely will. So happy. It was such a mess. People cursed so much and we offended so many people. But then the next night when I had an open mic of this kind of alternative stance, there was like... 50 people there and okay. everybody wanted to read and then the next time there was like 100 and that just kind of went oh okay I definitely have something now you know so it was someone
0: in the local arts office who knew that you were into kind spoken word events it was only emerging
1: at that time yeah. as well it wasn't really a thing do you know okay. so, it so she
0: asked you could you kick
1: something off yeah the first one was a little bit wobbly would that be right oh yeah so we're kind of with the old school water for writers and then there was the brand new school water like we had to like physically nearly remove one of the lads from the stage because he said bad words so much. <laughs> and then another dude had his hands down his pants. You're kind of going, oh, this is not this is worse than I thought it would be. Kind of going, stop it. <laughs> but <laughs>
0: so then by the time the second one rolled around, things had oh, yeah, we stabilized kinda,
1: a bit. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> not too much. No, but it's, it, kind of, it, it started off very, very, very bohemian alternative because nobody mm-hmm. really knew what it was. And then kind of, I think I was labeled like that for a long time. And I said, "Okay, Grant, but I'm not going to stop people from being who they want to be. There's about five or six or seven open mics in Watford now. And there's different groups and everyone kind of spread out like a tree to where they're going. And I still have my solid mod words, which are kind of like come from the classes and from wherever I poach from the world in general. And then they kind of join everything else as well. So it's kind of like... It's a platform. I always call it a platform. That
0: sounds amazing. And tell us how things developed then to the stage of actually having a full
1: scale festival. Not when so. did that all start? It started after okay, it was the first, I think it was my fourth or fifth uh, Mod Words or Mod Poets open mic. And um, it was in the tea rooms for the, I had one on for the um, Imagine Festival and it was a Friday night. What um, year are we talking about? Um, 2016. And um I said to Sarah Jane, I said, "Look, I'll literally be two hours in and out. I'll start at seven o'clock because, like, she'd have to hire in extra staff, you know, and I was going, we'll be finished at like, nine, you know, and it was like quarter to twelve. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of, like, oh, no, I'm so sorry, but I can't leave anyone behind. And we were still going through people. And it was then I was kind of going, we're going to have to do something about this, okay. you know. So the events were getting so popular.
0: Is that, would that be fair to say? Yeah. That, that kind of triggered the thought, OK, maybe what we need is a festival.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought I said maybe we should have like a big thing two or three days a year. But I was getting on the it was the following April or May and I was getting on the plane to go to Barcelona with my son and I said it I said i type it up on so you know, if you see something on Facebook it has to be forever. <laughs> like people care. And I said, uh, oh, we're gonna have a festival in July and I picked two random dates out of July and um by the time I'd gotten off the plane, the post had exploded, and then I had a breakdown. Wow.
0: <laughs> I know what you mean. If you put something online, it can be, oh my God, this is real
1: now. Yeah, I, <laughs> I put so many things online that weren't <laughs> yeah. real before, and nobody noticed or hair, so. When did the first month of Words happen? 2017, then, absolutely blind, going in there, did it on nothing. I, I still do it on nothing, but... um who helped me with my insurance was Waterford Walls and okay. um, the Arts Office paid for printing and posters and that was it. And where does it actually take place? Throughout Waterford City. In different venues? Mm. So by this stage, you know, in oh my lovely God. like maturity that has happened, I was really, really lucky that last year that Mary Boland from the Theatre Royal approached me and asked me to go into partnership. So obviously, yes, yes, I said Yes, straight away, didn't even look into it or anything, you know, yeah. um, but she's been, she's had my back. And beforehand, Sheila down in Gartelaine has had my back with the films and stuff, you know. So it's kind of like a city working together. So Mary would um, offer me the stage and the Theatre Royal pretty much for the whole weekend. And she's often said to me, if I need printing or anything done during the year, and then I'll hold a few open mics there and stuff. So she's been, and all the staff and John and all the staff at the Theatre Royal as well, have been Fantastic. So I kind of have a festival within a festival there. So these Royal is a massive part of it. And then Garter Lane will allow me to use their screen. So any submissions for film, there'll be a section for film. And then it's The Fat Angel, Jordan's The Monster. Jeff's bearded lady
0: a lot of venues pubs theatres around Waterford have really jumped on board yeah. they all just kind of say anything they're like, yeah no problem yeah I've seen the programme the, the The range of venues is brilliant that's really fantastic to hear that there's that goodwill in Waterford oh, to it, support it wouldn't a, happen otherwise. Uh, low
1: budget arts oh, well, I, I have, and I get enough when I apply for that lovely funding that I get to apply for every year Yeah, they, they're they're kind enough to offer me enough to cover my insurance really so yes. and a bit on, from that onwards. so do you know, I kind of, I'll probably set up, I'll, there's one or two things I have to apply for still, but I'll probably set up a bondage or something, do you know, but yeah. with that, I've scraped by the past couple of years with kindness of the community and it's that's what it is.
0: Yeah, one thing, I'm just thinking as I'm talking to you, one thing that's not on your list of jobs is event organiser, but you are also an event organiser. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about having
1: falling oh, into event organising we I love do. it I love it so oh, much that's great to hear and like do you know what I kind of I, I took on a lot of events around I do work freelance you know so I couldn't actually say full on that I'm a full on events um, planner you know so I always kind of rely on the next job you know Yeah. like everyone else I suppose and um, I took on an awful lot leading into November so I kind of had the usual no friends no personality only talk talk was shop. Head, head was just shop, and uh I decided around that time that I'd start college as well. So I took on a couple of courses. There was a patch where it was kind of November, December, January, February. And I was kind of away from the event planning and then it was rolling up to another event. And I was so excited going back into it. I felt so happy. It was so much better than college. <laughs> I was like, "This is I suppose this
0: is kind of where I what I love, you know. Some of our listeners will be event planners, event managers. And most people will say they love it, but it's an incredibly difficult job. So it's lovely to hear somebody who can say, yeah, I, I really love it. And, you know, no it is, but you get to put
1: things into boxes. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's like organizing things. Like if you saw my house, you were the wood thinker and the most unorganized person in the world. But you step outside that and you kind of go into putting things in their right places and trying things and working with venues and kind of, you know, I love all that. I think yeah, that's great. And the acts as well and stuff, seeing people face or trying new things other places. It's great. Okay, so,
0: yeah, kind of a curation is part of your passion as well then. Yeah. Let's step back a little bit. One of the things we normally ask on this
1: podcast is for someone's career background. You know, I kind of grew up in a pub and that's where I was for years. Then I did a few different courses and I always was a writer. And then kind of mishap in life about five years ago, things kind of fell apart. And I just kind of, from that point onwards, I'd looked at how many times it had happened before and there was a pattern there. And it turned out I wasn't really paying any attention to myself and what I can do. So it kind of the whole path of self-belief and looking at other people that mightn't believe in themselves and kind of go, right, I'm going to go into mental health now and I'm going to look at people who are more disadvantaged. And you know what, I can look at the entire community. And I said I'd give myself a five-year plan mm-hmm. and I'm in year three of it. So, okay. But that's kind of pretty much it. Like my my family have a bar and I I've always been there and I've always kind of, tried to be myself outside it, but, um, wasn't doing a good job at it I don't think but now I think I'm on path with it you know and that's where I feel like I'm only starting my career now Yeah that's really interesting because you just said that you feel you're maybe disorganised but
0: for someone to have a five year plan and to be executing it from what I can tell very successfully that's pretty amazing I know you say you feel you're only getting started in some ways but do you feel you have any kind
1: of career highlights? I'm really happy to be given the opportunity to do it and I know that sounds cheesy but I am absolutely grateful like I really appreciate the Arts Office because I kind of went going the first year of Culture Night was, which was the year before it was 2017 and did my own thing and they were like yeah that's great would you like to come on board and we'll ask you to do it away from us you know work freelance with the Arts Office and I thought that was really excited to kind of go right so I have the whole city for a night with a budget it was just one of the best nights and I kind of felt great after it I felt so good freaking out beforehand of course yeah. the same thing happened again with um, Poetry Day Ireland and I was mm-hmm. able to draw people down from acts and we started at 11 o'clock in the morning and finished at 2 do you know and I I just think when I'm given freedom with the budget with something and then I don't know I I love all the jobs I really do I really I love all of them and like I don't know apparently that's meant to go away like loads of people talking to like Wait till you get to year six or seven. Kind of going, oh, I can't wait to see where I'll be in year six or seven. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited about it all. I'm, I always love the festival and I love Modwords and all around it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back to Modwords just for a brief second. When's it happening this year?
1: It'll be the 13th and 14th of July. Okay. So I'll probably have I'm in the middle of a set of classes now, and then I'll probably be doing another open mic, and I'll just be pottering around trying to see what people want to do see what the plays are and filling venues between now and then so I'm still really open-minded to anything so I have certain venues but I, I can try and work for more if more people want to get involved yeah I don't really say no to anyone
0: so it sounds to me like in terms of programming um it's not from top down you're very much listening to what ideas come back
1: from the community and you run with that Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of it's non-profit or like there's no one getting paid for this. So I'm grateful for anyone who wants to get <laughs> yes. involved. But, you know, it is an absolute grassroots festival. And I say, as I always say, it's a platform and wherever people want to go, they're out there then. And they generally do take off.
0: One of the things we like to focus on in this podcast is public speaking. You're a fantastic speaker, fantastic performer. And for anyone out there who might be thinking of getting into public speaking, mm-hmm. who hasn't actually got into it yet, what would you say to them? What do you think is a good place to start? Have yeah. you any tips
1: on getting started? Yeah, well, I think I have a lot to learn. There's so many different types of public speaking, but yes. I, I suppose it would be if, you, if you're if you terrible at the start, that, that means nothing. It means nothing. It means you just have a load of passion in your chest and you're just trying to figure out how to get it out past the words, you know. Like I could probably stand up in front of a crowd now, no problem, but if I was just stand up and do a presentation in my college room, I find it's my weakest point, but it doesn't mean I can't do it. you know,, yes. there's so many different types of doing it, but just understand that you just have to learn how to say it. you can say it, it's just learning how to say it, and that's a massive thing, you know, mm-hmm. but like everyone can. Everyone
0: can. Of course they can. That's something we try to kind of promote quite a lot in Gig. We have a weekly newsletter and we're always trying to send out that message that it's not this specialised elite skill, that it's something everybody
1: Oh, the more individual, the better. Yeah. yeah. I developed stutter. I never had a stutter in my life and I was kind of had anxiety at the time. You know, when you have anxiety, like you have all these brand new things that they're little gifts that they give you every day. (laughs) And like I was at a really bad patch of anxiety and I had to do public speaking and I generally just talk like I talk. I wouldn't talk like anyone else, or wouldn't matter who's in the room. I think you have to be who you have to be. And uh, I started stuttering. It was like I don't. I think I just started laughing, and it lasted for months. Like, but sure, you can't let that get in the way either. so I and now it's gone. That's amazing. Because it wasn't real.
0: <laughs> that's probably going to be very encouraging for a few people listening to this. That's really, really amazing to hear that. So we've touched on mental health a little bit. So let's continue with that. I know that it's a topic that's close to your heart and especially in young people. You do some volunteer work yes. uh, in with mental health groups, isn't yeah, that right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So
1: is, for example, is public speaking something that you try to teach in those oh, groups oh yes do you know so I work with um, a couple of different groups I'm only starting out with one group and I do a small bit of work with little hero ladies up in Tinton House Tinton's a homeless and or um housing organization for people that have been affected or come across homelessness with fam- okay. for short term for families as well and Shine Discovery hmm. which is a mental health drop-in center on the quay in Waterford and I do it through creative writing there. And it's kind of like we use the word creative writing with inverted commas because really it's just we just sit down and chat. But what I'm trying to encourage, I keep telling everybody that's in those groups that um, they are gold because um, there's plastic poets everywhere who speak about homelessness and uh, mental health. And it's because it looks good on the page to them and gets some credits. Whereas the people in these groups are um, magic. They know exactly what's talking about. And there's one or two or three of them that have swords, you know, and they've come into the communities, and um, they've they've said a few things, and they've been really, really well be received, and it's awareness. So I think you're saying that
0: somebody who uh, previously might have been perceived as disadvantaged and had lots of disadvantages no, they're, they're
1: highly advantaged that they can, when it comes to their voice. Yeah, yeah. that they find their advantage. Yeah, oh, it's okay. not that easy, but yes, yes, yeah. that's what I say to them. I hope to hope that they hear it. You know. Okay. We might talk a bit more
0: about that, actually, about how sometimes writing and speaking can be perceived as opposites. You know, that writing is for the uh, introverts stuck away at home writing and public speaking is for the
1: extroverts who are out there on stage. But actually, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah, well, of course, I think there is. I think it's what you want to do, that you want to own your own gear, your stuff. Like, you know, a lot of time, I know when I was first starting to do spoken words and stuff, I couldn't read it myself. I was too scared. So I'd get other people to read it for me. And I know a lot of other people would we'll be happy with that getting people to read their stuff but mm-hmm. after a while it does happen that there's that little something in you that wants to own it mm. and that's when your voice shakes for the first couple of times and then you trip on a word and you think it's the worst thing in the whole world so you kind of go into yourself and then and then after a while you just kind of go uh, I don't care anymore I'm just going to say it and if I make a mistake I make mistakes I'm human cuz you're sitting down you're watching other people trip on their words and you see them kind of beat themselves up and you're like don't do this it's actually fine mm-hmm. like do you know we yep. trip over our words every day why should this be any different you know? yeah. <laughs> so it's okay you know but yeah that's the way I'd look at that you know after a while they do come together and I do find if if you are going to um, you do have to public speak um, just walk around your house with it because you'll find your own rhythm mm-hmm. when you're saying it out loud you know Okay, so mm. literally practising at home when you're on your own, walking around oh, your own yes. house. <laughs> And it's never as perfect as you say it on your own, because you're a different person when you're reading it in front of people. That's so, so true, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is,
0: really, yeah. totally. Yeah. But that, that change, that becoming a different person can be so liberating. And it's fantastic when you see someone who has, it suddenly hits them, oh, my, I'm different on stage, and it's okay. Yeah,
1: or else I feel really okay here, and I'm wondering what's going to go wrong next. Yeah. 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 yeah, you do get to be a different person, That's kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of fun. I know you feel strongly about public speaking as political. You're interested in speaking as a political tool? Any kind of time the spoken word has been at its height, there's been a changeover. And I think that right now is the time for the first time in a very, very long time that the youthful voice has been a very, very strong in activism within the community. I'm not talking about lazy activism or brutal activism. I'm talking about awareness, knowledge is power. And I really feel that the spoken word artists now eventually will if they have the strength in that capacity, will dwindle within to politics. Because it's a voice, really. And I, we're not talking about our broken heart as such, you know, which can be broken by politics. But um, we are talking about how we'd like to see change. Like we just did a massive poets for choice for repeal last year. Next week, we're looking at this whole thing about having to be married for how yes. many years before you can even think about being free. Like it's all about freedom speech. And I think that this generation that we're raising now will also be the parents of the next Mm -hmm. generation of politics. We might have to wait that long. We may or may not before there's a vast change, but it's it's coming and it's coming through words right now. And it's very important. Ireland is such an exciting place to be at the moment for anyone really uh, in
0: terms of, as you mentioned, referendum last year, and just for anyone who's not in Ireland, in the coming weeks for having another referendum on divorce, just to whether to make the period of um, yeah, you have to marry living like
1: apart five years shorter. Like that, yeah. Yeah. So for everyone, like in some cases, like there's some people that just, They fall out of love, and that's really sad. But there's some people that are in situations that are so much more brutal than that. And it's, it's, you get stripped of your freedom. And there's, I've seen it happen and I've seen all sides of it happen, you know. And then I've seen people who have fought for it and stayed in it, and it really worked, and they'll be together forever, you know. Mm -hmm. But you have to look at the other cases, you know. Yeah. And I know that you're also very passionate about social
0: justice and you've talked a little bit about that already. Your work with the homeless people, the
1: referendums, yeah. um, women's rights. Well, I think anger liberation, it's just not helping anyone. Do you know, if you want to go on the street and you want to scream, you want to fight for your rights, and I, I really get it. And that's kind of, it's, it's a deep-rooted way. When we had to, when we had more aggression on us, we had to shout and scream that way. But right now I find that the most... Um, Effective way is uh, respecting other people's opinions and then asking them to respect yours and between the two you might come to something and speaking publicly about these things. I think it's just try and have that approach paid forward. Yes. Like I was campaigning last year and... um, there was this war between like uh, pro-life and pro-choice and up until about 10 months before that I wasn't really sure of the difference between pro-life and pro-choice and I went around telling people I was pro-life loads of times I was wondering why they weren't talking to me and I just didn't know which one was which Um, but the awareness of what I believed was still there and then there was this kind of war but I just really didn't think that there should have been a war at all I was like I respect you because you're so passionate about something and I really hope you respect me because we're passionate about something and can we meet something along the way? Can we have like a discussion where we both open our minds, you mm-hmm. know? I think that's how things should move forward. I like, like could be called a hippie by some people and um, I've often been told that the Greens can't run a country, you know? I never thought that I was looking to run a country. <laughs> I just thought that like I have a voice as well. I'm trying to encourage other people to have a voice. Yeah. And then hopefully they'll take mine. Because there's only so many years you can do this before you run out of energy, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: I was at an event in Waterford City the other night, and outside the event was a protest. Oh,
1: Um, a little kind of dancey show, wasn't it? That's right. And um,
0: (laughs) yeah, so the protesters were standing uh, quite respectfully um, on the other side of the street. So, you know, and they had their placards and their banners. And At first, I was kind of outraged on behalf of the performers, you know. But afterwards, somebody made the point, aren't we lucky to live in a country where a person with one opinion can go and present that on stage and do a performance about it? And people with the opposing opinion can be outside protesting. Unpleasant as that was for the performers, I'm sure, to have to walk past the protesters. Oh, it's really But good. at the it's same like, time. Uh, publicity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there's that side to it too. It <laughs> yeah. was great publicity for the performers. But I just thought that was a great perspective to bring back into it. We're living in a country where both are allowed. Yeah, where performance of, and, and putting out one opinion is allowed and protesting is also allowed.
1: Yeah. There are so many countries where that's not possible. Absolutely. That's kind of only within the past 100 years, really, though. Do you know, if we looked at last year where it was like the 100th year, centenary, or anniversary, sorry, of um, women's votes. Do you know? So that's only, it's only, it's, it's, we are always. our our fight comes from deep rooted from not being able to fight so it's kind of like we have this patriarch thing where we won't let it happen again you know so we kind of give each other that respect or that freedom you know it's very very important but once it goes the other the other way there's no time for that you know yeah
0: one of the other things you do is a playwright now i'm not aware of all your writing as regards plays i know that you had a play the january show that premiered yeah, 2017. Talk a
1: little bit about that. Do you know what? I put, I put the playwright as my profile things now, You know, but if I had the chance to sit down and write a play again, I'd be so happy. I know. Do you know when you kind of do all this stuff, it's where you come from. You know what it's like to be the writer or the person in the band or blah, 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 blah. So you kind of go, right kind of respect all these people. And then like, you just kind of you start losing that part of you big time, you know? Yeah. So I kind of, kind of have ideas for other shows and plays and stuff like that to come on but i always i kind of started off playwriting in about 2006 or 7 i can't remember anymore with um stage mat um james power he just had a production on a harry the rookie last week and he was great he gave everyone these opportunities years ago to write plays when nobody else was and i'll forever be grateful to james power and i think he works really really hard but then i kind of went on i started writing i wrote for him for a while and then I had my last production with Stage Mad in 2012 with Play called the Banisters. It was kind of a slapstick a Cluedo who done a comedy. Okay. And I think it's probably probably was one of my best ones. Okay. And um, then I, did, I probably did a few things in between or I took a break or something. And then I came back with the January show last year. Can you tell us a bit about that? What was it about? Oh, it's just about people trying to find identity, I'd say, pretty much. But it was based around dark humor and um, music and it was... A bit off centre you know it was a bit kind of dreamlike as well you know but it was essentially a spoken word play and since then I've heard people saying cross media in Ireland kind of going Ireland's first spoken word piece you're kind of going no I don't think so oh. <laughs> but you know that's how it works I yeah. think I was only embarking I kind of wish I did it now because it would fit more now than it would have. And I wish I didn't direct it myself. I just had to try something, but it was atrocious. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but the play I did, I did all right. But if I had just let somebody else do it, it would have been so much better.
0: You think so, yeah?
1: Oh, okay, 100%. Yeah. yeah. But it was a worthwhile experience. Which oh, is like, yeah, absolutely. Directing yeah. a play. Hon- yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's it now, though.
0: Can you tell me some of the ways that parenthood might have shaped your
1: life and your views? Oh, yeah. I just don't remember not being a parent now. <laughs> I don't at all. I can remember I was in school and then I was out of school for like five and a half minutes and then I was pregnant with Elliot. and then, uh, Elliot's 16 now and um, I had two babies in between and uh, I had spent my 20s pregnant and uh, then kind of spent the early 30s finding out who I am and then now I think I we are where we want to be. Okay. as a family yeah. I love them so much though mm-hmm. they're fab but you know I don't yeah. like people are like oh my god parenting is so hard like, yeah. oh it really is it really is because you go on this emotional journey with them but there's nothing you don't do together I just I just adore them so much you know yeah. and I just, I just love having them absolutely around. days off as a family are very precious aren't they they're so precious especially when you work so much yeah. you know yeah. but I, I, kinda, I don't feel bad about working so much yeah. I was brought up in an environment where we ran a pub and mm-hmm. my mother was like your father is out there working and I have to go to work and this is an example that you have to take yourself because we can't like you know they're not going to leave us behind millions you know so this is how you do it this is how you get through life and I really feel like I have to set that example for them as well because I yeah. won't leave millions behind for them to live off the land you know <laughs> I'll never be a rich person <laughs> so but example is more
0: powerful than that you yeah. know. That's really interesting to hear because my mother's family are a pub family as well. And sometimes you can hear a bit of negativity about growing up in the pub. But it's brilliant to hear your perspective on that. Your parents were such good role models. Would that be right? And give you a good work ethic?
1: Yeah, it's a really good gift. And there was four girls in my family and um, no boys. My poor father was five women, you know. And no wonder he went to work. That's it. And all of us have always been in employment and if we weren't in employment, we'd always find a way. And I'm starting to build my own employment now, but I still understand that working in the pub is where I work. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everything else could fall apart tomorrow. You know. Yeah, but so. the show must go on when you're in a pub, right? Um, we have three kids, so you have to keep on working. <laughs> that's your that's your solid wage. You know, so. Well, as everyone knows, no matter where they live in the
0: world, the Irish pub is the place for words. And mm. uh, we call it chat, we call it banter, we call it conversation. In your pub, what role do words play?
1: It's actually really nice. There's a there's a lovely uh, man called John Calfer, and everybody in the whole world would know John. And John can still recite poems Wilfred Owen that he learned when he was a kid, and he'd always be doing it. And then there's another chap we have called Paul Dillon, and he'll come down every Tuesday night, and he'll play music without fail, unless he's in a local show, and he'll sit down the back, and there'll be a few people that join him, but. Paul's been doing this for 10 years now. Anyone who comes into the pub that can speak Irish, then they'll all start talking Irish as well. And there's one or two Gaelgoers, And then I started Irish on a Tuesday night in there. So we're all learning Irish as well. So it definitely is the core, the root. You have a few people that come and go. Mm-hmm. But the root of a pub will always be the old characters that are able to have like are literate and they're. They have stories to tell and they're respectful and you know Mm -hmm. and any publican or anybody who has been in a pub for a long time can spot these characters and they hold it together and that's, that's the old school Irish pub that's still there full of words and passion and poetry and I know I'm making this sound romantic but that is what it is. Well
0: yeah I've been in your pub I've been in Jordan's it is romantic it's a bit magical um as I think the Irish pub can be at its best mm. um and what's the role of the publican then in all of this do you try to take a back seat and let everyone get on with it or do you kind of almost moderate a little bit do you have to step in every so often?
1: No I don't think so I've tried to do a few things like to Anna up the pub, you know, over the years, but you just have to let it run its course. Yeah, I think the only thing is keep things safe for everybody and keep a tidy house, and that's the role of the publican as such, you know. Yeah, keep it tidy, and like I've seen my father over the years, and I still have to learn how he does it. Thrown out, the, throw out the rough as the fellas, and they would be hugging them, hanging them, because <laughs> <laughs> it used to be a doctor's pub, so he went, he came across yes. all of this over the years, you know. I'm just watching him kind of going, I don't know.
0: (laughs) That's a really fascinating thing about Jordans. Can you tell us a bit about that? The Dockers pump, what does that mean? Oh, see, the
1: boats used to come in. They went, Watford was a working port. Yes. They used to stop pretty much across the road. And uh, then they would have been on the boat for how long, the cattle ships for how long, and then they just crossed the road and into the pub. And these were working men, you know. Anyone who was part of the Dockers uh, or remember the Dockers know that they were working men. They were thirsty by the time they came in. <laughs> so, you know, they, like, there might have been times where a bit of a cabuffle might have broken out, but uh, I can remember my father saying that something broke out when we in with all these um, sailors, were the Dockers, should we call them, and my grandmother was down in the middle of them, tearing the two roughest men in the world out by their ears (laughs) and putting around the street and there's just a few fellas taking off their hats apologising to her that's a brilliant image yeah it is Yeah, she was tough not herself I'm sure running a pub yeah, and a pub in a port and it had an early licence it still does does. my understanding it could have changed since then but you can't get an early licence because our port is not in use but you can renew in our early license. So we've kept ours. So Jordan's on the Quay is the
0: place to go if you have a thirst early in the morning. Yeah. Just everybody remember that. We'll finish up in a few minutes, Anna. Let's just talk a little bit before we finish up about um, this whole wearing multiple hats thing. The traditional view of work, certainly in Ireland and other countries, is um, you have, you know, the, the, the goal to be aspired to is to have the good job that you hang on to grimly until you retire. That's not the way it is anymore for so, so many people. And that trend is only going to continue, I'm sure, that people have to have a few different jobs, wear lots of different hats, uh, especially for public speakers. So many of us don't do it part time, not because we don't want to, but because it's just so hard to mm. make a full time living from it. Um, but I think it's fair to say you have more jobs than most. So when people say, is it a dreaded question? What do you
1: do? Well I work with um, I work freelance I like to say freelance so freelance, the job yeah, okay. is the core right and then, mm-hmm. I, then there's Modwords, Modwords Fest and what that has worked out into is this is, the, this is a passion project so Modwords will always be a passion project and then it kind of branched out into a few different freelance jobs throughout the year so freelance festival running so whatever job comes hmm. up I will potter away with them so I'll do freelance with um, the arts office and then I'll do freelance with the with the vintners which is a it's kind of another hat off the Imagine Festival, so I'll program all the pubs and stuff like mm-hmm. that for them. Mm-hmm. Um, jobs might come up throughout the year with all of these things as well. So, And then I work with Brothers of Charity at the moment. I'm on a program through Watford Area Partnership, and then I'm a mm-hmm. resident writer there. And the Brothers of Charity, sorry, uh, what service do they provide? Um, but, well, I work with people with mild to moderate um, disabilities, so okay. with autism and carry on. They're all great. There's some yeah. crap. Adults? Um, adults, Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then I will, I do writing classes with my own, which is moderate classes in Garter Lane, which I really appreciate Garter Lane allowing me to do that there because mm-hmm. it, it is prime venue. And then within also the Parlour Vintage Tea Rooms, I'll be in-house writer with Sarah Jane Hunting. Okay. She's the proprietor of the Parlour Vintage Tea Rooms, so Quill and Inks would be a class that I'll be getting again in September. And um, then the list goes on and I yeah. haven't thought of something or two something, but you <laughs> yeah. know, but it does all fit into his place. I have, yes. a, a, it's all, Um, it all fits. Like people forget, like a lot of this work, like the, the event is the last thing you do. Mm-hmm. And my kids are in school from nine to two every day. So, I, until I took on two college courses I had that time <laughs> but they're nearly finished now so okay uh, yeah that'd be the end of that you know. yeah I can tell that you
0: to someone else asking you what do you do it may sound overwhelming but you have everything in its place in your mind and you can see where it's all going So okay. back to the five year plan that you know where it's leading
1: yeah so the outcome will hopefully be there mm-hmm. and um, um, I presume I'll lose things along the way and then I'll gain other things yeah. you know yeah um, but no, it, it's all it's all in place. Um, it does sound overwhelming, but it really, really is all connected, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I do love all the groups and stuff like that I get to come across, you know.
0: Anna, thanks so much for coming in today. It was amazing to talk to you. Um, I have a feeling you're just getting started. I would love to have you back again. Thanks so oh, much for thank coming. Thank you. In.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Just a few things before the embers fade and we wrap up another episode of the Fireside with Voxgig podcast. You can find notes and links from this podcast at voxcakecom podcasts. We also publish a weekly newsletter on public speaking, selecting the best advice and techniques from some of the world's greatest speakers, both ancient and modern. Rhetoric is an old and revered art not especially easy to master, but it is a skill like any other and one you too can learn. Visit voxgig.com speakers to subscribe to the newsletter. If you've enjoyed this fireside chat, please consider subscribing to our podcast. Please also leave a review. That helps us make this podcast even better. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Vox Gig, voxgig, V-O-X-G-I-G. If you'd like to be counted as a supporter, just let us know and we'll add you to our supporters page. And one final reminder to check our sponsor, simplecast.com, who helped make this
1: podcast possible.